Welcome back to the Mail-In Podcast. I'm Randy doing Brett. Randy, before this episode, Sally was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do the intro. Here's what I sound like, and I'm Brett. It Are we like, keeping this for oh, yeah, 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 the episode? Yeah, I think people just press skip. Now, we, <laughs> now we're just recording this episode for no reason. We are the Mail-In Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Merriman. To my right, the lovely Sally DeFries. Uh, good afternoon, Sally. Happy New Year. Let me be the first to wish you Happy New Year. How are you? Are we still doing Happy New Year after January 3rd? Uh, I think this week, and then that's done. That's like that's kind of how I'm treating it with emails and business discourse. Okay. Uh, and then it's starting next Monday, where it's yeah over. You've seen that Curb episode, right? Where where Larry David starts getting pissed at people for saying Happy New Year. Too I've, I've seen the, I've seen the clip. I'm I'm not a big Curb guy, but uh, I think I think you're right. I think you get this week only. And then it's done. The first week of the new year. And then you you don't get to say Happy New Year to people anymore. Exactly. Uh, you did something not many people are doing over their new year. You moved. I moved. Yeah. Houses. Um, how, yes. how did that go? Uh, with a, with a, let's, uh, let's, if the audience doesn't know, uh, a young child and a newborn. Last last couple days of my maternity leave. Last couple days of your, your mat leave. Spent the entire week of like... What should just be a drinking and eating, like cozy feel filled mm, totally week, and we mm. packed. Yep, we decided on the twenty sixth we were going to move. We packed up our place and moved on the thirtieth. I was going to say it's not like this was. I mean, I know it was you, not y'all planned. Had, we had right. th- thought about it, but then we were like, "Screw it, we're just going to do it." And you, you pulled trig, and it was like, "All right, we are pedal to the metal." Yeah. So Will is celebrating by skiing in in Colorado. And I have both children in a house that's uh, somewhat unpacked. It's not ready. Sorry, I'm fixing my hair. Here's a here's an unsolicited wreck for mm-hmm. some people while okay. you're moving. Okay, we got movers, which was like absolutely necessary because they're like we're just too old now. Will like straight up has an inguinal hernia. Like if we if he mm-hmm. starts lifting shit, like he's gonna go get surgery. So. Movers was an absolute necessary thing, but for at least for us at this juncture in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you have to move people, and I know this exists in Austin, I'm pretty sure it exists in other cities, but something like this, it's called Bronco boxes. Okay. So they're like these black plastic crate boxes. They're like ones that like oh, they claw have together. Claws. Yes, yes. 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 We moved at Barstool with these. Okay. So, so nice because you basically you rent them for like a certain period of time. We rented ours for a week. Uh, they come drop them off. You pack in them, you move in them, and then they come pick them up at your new place. Mm-hmm. So one, you don't have to buy a bunch of cardboard and then put boxes together, which is like the bane of my existence, and Awful. then take boxes down when you're done. Mm-hmm. But two, because you have rented them for a certain amount of time, like you can have – we rented for a week, so it's obviously cheaper the less time you do – you can extend it, but then they charge you more, mm-hmm. which Will was just calling the laziness tax. So you are forced to unpack because they oh, picked up I all see. of ours today. Yeah. So I had to – I we had pretty much unpacked all of them except for like my last two ones of like my bathroom stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was forced to do it today because they had to come get them. Which is a good good incentive. Yeah. But also kind of environmentally friendly because you don't have to like buy a bunch of cardboard and tape and like whatever. It was so easy. So look it up. It's Bronco Box. This is a non-spawn. Sponsor the pod. Sponsor Bronco our box. pod. Uh, like, change my life. I'm never moving with traditional cardboard boxes again. Okay. And so let me ask you this. With Bronco Boxes, they're sturdy enough. To, like, they're they're stackable, right? Uh-huh. And they're very sturdy. And do you, you order them outside the movers? The movers show up and they're like, hey, oh, you got Bronco Boxes. Sick. Our, our movers knew what they were, okay. but I think most people do. And you can order a couple different sizes, and we got, like, wardrobe boxes and stuff. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you bron- – okay. It's spelled with a K. Bronco. Oh, it's Bronco. Yeah. Bronco boxes. Bronco. It's like a Philly thing. Yeah. Um, okay. I like I like what we're – so how do you know how many to, to get? You They have, like, on the website, they were like, how many bedrooms do you have? Mm-hmm. I probably didn't get enough. I said we only had two bedrooms, which was not true because we had three. But I was like, we can probably make it work with two. Okay. Okay. We had to finagle some stuff. Right. We had to yeah, pa- yeah. pack in some traditional boxes, which was unfortunate. I got but you. Great. 
They're gone now. They picked him up this morning. Mm-hmm. That's out of my, Fritz loved playing in them because he would oh, get wow. in and like claw himself in and pop out. Nice. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a classic kid move. Yeah. yeah. Um, how's the unpacking? Like, how's what's the what's the new sitch? The problem with moving, besides like other, all the other shit that you have to do of like packing, unpacking, et cetera, is that when you move into a new place, mm-hmm. all of your old furniture doesn't work in the new place because you all of your furniture existed in the confines of your old place. Mm-hmm. So you have okay. stuff, but you're like, well, shit, I now need... We also moved somewhere that was a little bit bigger space, so we, we need more furniture in general. But like our couch that's like an L shape is kind of an L shape in the wrong direction of our living room. So, okay. which is like, it'll be fine. But like, we need new rugs. We need like, so uh, moving ends up being like an insane cost because you have to pay movers or in our case we did, you have to pay for the boxes. You have to do all the la- like all you have to pay at this point, we're paying two rents for mm-hmm. a month mm-hmm. and then we're going to spend a ton of money on furniture. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Got to, got to fit the place to, to your style and, and the new dimensions. Yeah. And unfortunately I, we can't just, do what we did in college and like tack a flag on the wall and call it some decoration. We just have to. Yeah, that's the thing be about adults getting, about yeah, it. Getting older, you gotta be, gotta be adults. Uh, is your couch floating? Yes, that's floating. a that's big. That's it's huge, big. huge move. And we we, <laughs> I think I'm gonna hire somebody to come mount our TVs. That's not Dylan. That's not Dylan. Yeah, don't tell Dylan. Don't tell Dylan. Okay, I won't say a word. Because not not Will's like we have to use Dylan. And I'm like, lest we forget, Dylan dropped his own TV and broke it. Okay, okay. It people? did happen. It did happen. I'm I heard saying, this. You also have, have like a unique TV, right? That's got like a little frame kind of thing to it. So the, it's, we have the the Samsung frame. We have yeah. two other TVs, and like all three of them need to be mounted. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes I just feel strongly about like instead of using your friends and family for free labor, you should just like suck it up and pay someone whose job it is to do that. Cause they're yeah. the most invested because you're paying them. It's true. That's true. I'm don't tell Dylan though. I won't say, I won't say a word. And the listeners of this podcast, please don't DM him and tell him that oh I'm boy. not going to use oh him for boy. TV mounting. He'll find out in next week when our TVs are mounted. If you would like to uh, ask us a question though, maybe, uh, something about mounting TVs, you can uh, hit the hotline, 888-362-MIL or 888-362-6245 or write in at the link in the Twitter bio at Malin Podcast or in the description of this episode. Sally, are you ready to go? I am ready. Hey, gang. First time, day one Nice. I'm in a predicament. I saw a text on my girlfriend's phone. Here's what happened. She wrote to her sister-in-law, I'm in the wrong here, no denying that, by the way, which then prompted me to go read the whole conversation, unbeknownst to her. She said some pretty mean shit, mostly about my family, that while I realize I'm obviously biased, is objectively and undoubtedly entirely untrue and unfair to say, and I'm pretty upset about it. How do I address this? How do I address, excuse me, address this? Love the pod, keep up the good work. Do you say something? I was going to ask you because I feel like in a big family such as yours with many different moving pieces, there's the, the higher potential of perhaps something being said about somebody else maybe in a different conversation that maybe slips into the other conversation. Yeah. So I I was going to defer to you, but um, if it's – I mean it, it depends on the shit. At first when I was reading this question, I was like, oh, it's going to be something about – the boyfriend, yeah. and then obviously you do say something, even though you're like you know you're in the wrong for reading the conversation. You're like, hey, you said like I'm not the one, or you know something yeah. like like relationship altering. Yeah. In this case, I think I my default answer is I need more context. But so I don't to, know. To me, it sounds like that they are probably in a serious relationship, given the fact that he has like met her family or, sure. or sorry, she has met his family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's serious enough to like bug him. Yeah. So I think you have to say something, but you also have to admit, we have answered a question similar to this before. When you have mm-hmm. gone through someone's phone, that's a big breach of trust. And you, if you're going to address what was said, you have to admit yourself that you did, the bad thing of going through someone's phone and that you've 
broken their trust and mm-hmm. that you realize that you're in the wrong. Yes. Number one. So you're absolutely welcome to say something, but just with the caveat of like that has to come first of like, hey, we need to sit down and talk some, about something before we do. The reason we have to talk about something is because I saw something. And then and, followed followed that rabbit hole. And, and followed that rabbit hole. And before we even go there, mm-hmm. I upset you. Like I, I understand if you're upset that I went through your phone and I shouldn't have. I understand that that's wrong, et cetera. And then also know that any conversation you have after that can probably be derailed by the fact that you broke someone's trust and went through. Yeah. Your yeah. There's a pretty quick like comeback. Be like, well, right. you broke my trust and like, I, you know, whatever it might be. But so I, agreed, agreed. I think that the only reason that this is something to talk about is if you're in a serious enough relationship where like you are considering marriage to this person mm-hmm. that inevitably family is going to be something you deal with. And not maybe not even marriage, but like a a long long term relationship with somebody mm-hmm. uh, that you need to address something like this because it's the issues are going to keep coming up, and you don't want it. You don't want to wait until issues come up and then you blow up with resentment because you saw all of these things, and then your partner's like, "That's really oddly specific that you think that I feel that way about your mom." Mm-hmm. Right? Where did you hear that? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think I think it's worth talking about number one to nip it in the bud, but also you have to to uh, disclose your breach of trust. Right. I agree. There. I think my I guess my my, my caveat would be: is it you know is it he says it's untrue, unfair? I'm pretty upset about it. It depends on the level of like relationship altering thing this is i think for me if it's like you don't like that my mother-in-law like talks too much or just something that's like trivial mm-hmm. i'd probably just simmer it let it let it go away and file it away for something later but if it is something big enough that it's like oh you think my parents think this about you or this person or whatever it might be then yeah you gotta you gotta say something um yeah, families are really tough. So it, all of the phone stuff aside, if you're ever if you're getting married to somebody or you're in a long term relationship with somebody where they are meeting your family, you are really opening up yourself and that person to a lot of um, possible drama and you know. I don't even know how to explain this the correct way, but basically what I'm trying to say is it, like. Will and I have been married for almost four years. We've been together oh my for God. eight. Yeah. Have you really? Yeah. In February. Holy um, shit. He is around my family a lot. Uh, we both love each other's families. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go to bat for my family and he is going to go to the bat for his. It's taken a lot of time and growing up to realize that – Sometimes my family, who I have spent the last 34 years with, Mm -hmm. is not always right. Uh, So I think that's a maturity thing. I think if you're thinking about marrying somebody or you are married to somebody, this is a conversation that needs to be had prior to marriage and then continually throughout your marriage and and relationships of checking in with your partner because you – there's a certain level of like you have to create boundaries between – your your relationship and your in-laws, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. Um, and you have to understand that like while it's okay for your partner to be frustrated with your family and you want to defend them, you also need to realize where your partner is coming from. Um, we we in- encounter this a lot with my own family. We spend a lot of time with my family because they're all here. Um, this tends to come up a lot during the holidays because still, even though we've been together for eight years, we've you know, we like at the end of the day, Will is spending a, a Christmas with my family instead of his family. Mm-hmm. I think it's lessening now that we have our own family of like we have our own kids, mm-hmm. but it all gets uh, you know, blown out during during holidays because that's when you're around them the most. That's when people are the most annoying and emotions are heightened and things like that. So we'll get in fights and I I feel like I have to defend maybe it's like my mom or my sister or whoever it is that Will is frustrated with. Mm-hmm. And then in turn, Will's like, well, now I feel like you're not on my side. So that's 
that's what's the difficult thing about in-laws in general. Because at the end of the day, they're not your partner's immediate family. They're mm-hmm. like marrying into it or they're dating into it or whatever it may be. So you need to kind of try to be open to both sides. And the problem with this guy saying uh, like totally biased, untrue, blah, 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 whatever he said, she didn't say it for no reason. You know, I mean, right. maybe, maybe she's like totally off base, but like usually there's some nugget of truth. So I think it's important to like, before you go to her and say like, Hey, I saw that you said that like, you think that my sister is spoiled and that you think my mom is a bitch or whatever it may be that she said to her sister-in-law. Right. You need to try to understand where she might be coming from and yeah, like totally. what, and, and not tee off and defend your family and try to see her point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is an important thing in any relationship. But uh, when you, when you're dealing with someone's family, it's really hard to, for the other person to not take it personally because it's their family. But you also need to realize like they must feel uncomfortable. In-laws are always going to be uncomfortable mm-hmm. at, at some level. When people are like, I love my mom, mother-in-law. And like we, we're like soulmates, blah, blah, blah. You're lying. Okay. <laughs> like every person is not like, yes, I love my mother-in-law. At the end of the day though, she's not my mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. We like grew up separately. We have different opinions about things. Like it's okay for me to love her and also have things that I'm like, that's not my favorite. That's going to, sure. and she probably feels the same way about me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's really fun to have a really good relationship with them. And you're always going to have something that you, do, you just don't see eye to eye on. It's just, you're, you're not, it's, not chosen, right? You choose the person you're with, right? And they come with their family. A lot of the times they're great, and sometimes it's like, oh, we're not. We wouldn't be friends in real life, kind right? Of thing. So I, I think in laws are tough. I, I hope that this goes okay. There, I have friends who have horrible, horrible relationships with their in laws. Horrible, oh, and it puts a really big sad. strain on their yeah. own relationship because, like, I'm thinking one of my girlfriends, like her mother in law, is a bonkers bananas but it like puts a lot of turmoil on her husband because he's like i feel like i have to be the go-between and like i love my mom but i do know she's crazy mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah. Yeah, yeah. in-laws are always going to be tough and it's really touchy so you need to come from it of a from an aspect of like hey you said this and i want to know like what made you feel that way enough to say it because that's if this if that's something that i need to address with my own family or protect you from or set a boundary from then like we need to do that yeah Coming at it of like, I checked your phone and now I'm going to attack you for saying this thing about my mom is like not the way to do it. Totally agree. I'm sorry about Green Chef. Yeah. Love our friends over at Green Chef. Randy, you're a big Green Chef guy. Chef Green over there. Green Chef is my favorite my favorite meal kit. I'll put, just put it that way. Just straight up, my favorite meal kit. It's a lot of fun. They give you the tools. I always say this to be your own boss in the kitchen. Because it comes in the ingredients, not just something that's pre-made or fired up in the microwave or whatever, which are, are fine and well and great. Uh, they save time. But Green Chef is about making you a better, uh, healthier person and a better person in the kitchen. Also, shouts to Green Chef customer service because we got a box like right mm. before Christmas. Okay. Will threw out all of the recipe cards. Well, how did he do that? Yeah, real annoying. So you can get on their <laughs> you can get on their app and like just get the recipes. But like for one of the recipes we had, it was like wasn't on the app yet. So mm-hmm. I like called and she like immediately emailed it to me. It was awesome. No kidding. So we were still able to make the uh the pork chops that I Oh, there you go. Yeah. How about some Parmesan linguine with shrimp and bacon? I'm like actually really hungry right now. So this read's gonna be a little difficult. Sesame I'm... chicken with some broccoli stir fry. We made that. Oh it was so good. That sounds fantastic. And maybe if if pasta isn't your thing or stir fry, how about some prosciutto, ricotta, and kale toasts? Delightful. Get brunch up in here. Green Chef is the best. It means you're choosing real wholesome foods that don't just fill you up, but also support a healthy lifestyle. It's more than just satisfying hunger. It's about feeling good with every bite. Embark on a delicious culinary adventure this year with Green Chef's diverse menu. Each week, choose from 80-plus flavor-packed options. Easily customize your meats to suit your lifestyle with preferences like keto, vegan, vegetarian, fast and fit, Mediterranean, gluten-free, and protein-packed. They offer unique farm-fresh ingredients, organic whole foods and veggies, and premium proteins. Uh, Here's the deal. 
Salad. Go to greenchef.com slash 60mail and use code 60mail to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Again, go to greenchef.com slash 60mail and use code 60mail to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Next one, Seth. My boss's husband is going to give me his old, perfectly working grill next month, February 2024, after he buys a newer, bigger model. I've never met him in my life, but my boss said they're getting rid of a grill and offered it to me. I know their household income is about three times ours. What should I bring him or them uh, when I pick up the grill as a sort of kind gesture? Beers, a good scotch, homemade baked goods. I regularly bake loaves of bread. Is is the gesture not coming to pick it up? You know what yeah. I mean? I honestly think that's really nice that he's even doing anything. Yeah. For, for most people, like we – at my work all the time, people are emailing being like, hey, getting rid of this, like free if you come get it. As long, Yeah, as long or as it's like been discussed. Or like 50 bucks or best offer. If they've sure. already like offered it to you for free, that's really nice to give a gesture. But like mm-hmm. – they're probably just like, get it out of my house. That's the thing. The gesture is like coming to pick it up. It, it's not an easily transportable item. It's, you know, that I think that's, if you want to bake them a loaf of bread, that's awesome. Great. But like, Thank you don't you need to like grill. trade goods. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, and I think as long as it's been discussed, like he's not, you're not going to show up and be like, oh yeah, where's the $200 that yeah. uh, like for my grill? I don't think that's going to happen. No, most people who are getting, as somebody who just moved, getting rid of stuff who like, Mm-hmm. don't want to sell it are really it's like the convenience of having someone else come get it from you right like having to donate things is and then like take it somewhere is like so annoying it's nice to like be like hey i'm getting rid of this does anybody want anything and like have people just come get it from you so you don't mm-hmm. have to like make the trek to go like because otherwise they're having to like dispose of it and or sell it that takes time mm-hmm. or donate it like they've got to load it up exactly what you said it's like a big item yeah exactly you're 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 taking something off their plate your opportunity cost or is paying for the the grill yeah like they they wouldn't offer it for free if they didn't want to offer it for free they would be yeah. selling it if they felt like they needed something for it bake them a loaf of bread break them a loaf of bread <laughs> this is want. nice like you're a really good person great. but like honestly i probably wouldn't even thought twice about this which maybe says a lot about who i am i don't know <laughs> like i would have just gone and gotten the grill and been like thanks if you ever need, if you ever just need to get your uh, industrial grade uh, margarita mixer off your hands, Will bought this thing. I'm like, we're never going to. I thought use it was it. a joint venture with with Micah. It is a joint venture, but like currently, <laughs> it's in Dripping Springs with Micah. So like, uh, when when are we ever going to use it? I guess now that we have a house, I'm going to like have margarita parties, and we'll, I'm going to make Will's ass go. go out to Dripping Springs to go get it and snag it. Yeah. Actually, speaking of grills, now that we have a house and Ooh. like we're not on like in an apartment uh-huh. with like just a balcony, we are looking for a grill situation. So, oh boy, oh boy, that's gonna like open up a whole sure can of worms. No like, opinionated my people DMs, in the like, DMs and screaming at me about Traeger versus Green Egg, and like I truly don't give a shit. So like, just telling you, it's like easy to use. You know, I think the Traegers are the easiest to use. Uh-huh. But the green eggs are kind of like the... But, like, I'm not going to be a pit master, okay? I'm just, like, trying to grill some, like, wood plank salmon or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to yeah. put a steak on there or, like, maybe smoke some meat. Like, right. I'm, I'll let Will to handle that. But, like, I'm not... Let's be serious, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, we're... we're we're. It's the basics. It's let's, let's put a steak down there. Let's put some salmon on there. Let's do some burgers. Like, I would I'm get a freaking creative. Weber. Like, I don't yeah. give a shit. Like, but... You got to have the names, though. Isn't that amazing that, like, grills have become, like, a luxury market item? Yeah. It's incredible. Shots we got my dad a trigger a couple of years ago for Christmas. Yeah. I think he's used it, like, twice. Well, it's, it, to you got to have him. it, though. That's the thing. If you have a house in Texas you gotta have with a, a big backyard, you got to have, have yeah. a trigger. Or green egg or, like, insert. What's the – what's the? oh, there's another one that's, like, the – the cool, like, oh, if you thought green egg was cool, wait till you see this, yada, yada. Like, I would use a George Foreman grill in my own house. I had one in college. Yeah. I had the little, like, panini maker. The panini George press, Foreman, yeah. yeah. That I would bring to, like, tailgate Same. And stuff. I would make turkey burgers in that. Ooh. I'd make quesadillas. That Ooh. was, like, my after. Have you ever made a Reuben on that? 
I can't say that I have. Pretty good. Homemade Reuben slaps. Really? Yeah. I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> I'm like a little hungover. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Did a little get after it on a Wednesday? Well, we celebrated Will's birthday last night, and I oh, had you guys maybe do? too much wine. So, okay. yeah. Go off. We went to Jeffrey's. Very nice. Jeff's, but they were kept bringing me wine. Uh, I didn't need it. Last time I was at Jeffrey's, I threw up in their bathroom. Really? Yep. I got, I I got tanked. I don't know what happened. I think I was I was drinking on an empty stomach and already didn't feel great, and then had a, I think I had a burger, and then like a, like a straight bourbon, and it was just that was that was my tipping point. It was with my uncle. It was like I wasn't even with friends. I wasn't trying to get you just tanked. Blacked out. Just had a weird yeah. Just had like a weird one of the nicest restaurants in Austin. Correct. Oh, yep. Tight. Yeah, really haven't been there since. No, not sure I'm allowed there, actually. You probably are. <laughs> I don't think they identified me as the guy who threw probably it. Probably not. Bathroom. But yeah. As long as you what did. a night. Um, all right. You ready <laughs> for the next one? <laughs> yeah, sure. Hey, Brett and Sally. I'm hoping Sally, as a working mom, and Brett as a certified grind boy, can offer some guidance on remotivating myself at work. I'm a newish mom and I'm really struggling balancing my new priorities. I'm a high school teacher and also a coach. I'm really struggling getting motivated for my team. To provide some context, my team is very good and highly competitive. If I can get my shit together and show up for them, we have every opportunity to win out at the local regional level. We have a solid chance of moving on and having a great showing at States. The problem is, I don't know how to do that. I'm past the newborn exhaustion, past the postpartum anxiety, and I haven't struggled with postpartum depression that I'm aware of. So I don't think those are causes of this feeling. I just spend practice wishing I wasn't still at school and I'm not being the coach my girls need. The baby is either in daycare and I miss him or he's home with his dad and I wish I was there. I moved practice to begin almost immediately after school, but I still get home an hour or maybe 90 minutes before bedtime, two to five days a week, depending on where we are in the season. I didn't think balancing work and a new family would be easy per se, but I was expecting a fulfilling challenge. I wasn't expecting apathy towards the, uh, towards the job and kids I genuinely love. Before having the baby, I never imagined considering making a change. I can't explain how much I love my girls and our sport. It's been the constant my whole life. And not to mention great teachers are leaving the field in droves, and I don't want to be another one of them. But I don't know how to do this, and I only imagine it getting harder as the baby gets older. Here's the flip side. I have all school breaks off with the kids. I'd always be on their schedule. I'm one-third of the way to early retirement. I have a pension. The teaching portion of my job is very manageable, and my workload is stupid easy from February to May. Not working isn't an option, and I know the grass isn't greener in another career, but I can't shake this feeling. Just a really eloquent question. I think it's she she did a great job of walking us through that. Yeah. Um Okay, my first question is, is is not coaching an option? That's my gut here is can we take a year off to yeah. sort of like miss the sport again or miss mm-hmm. coaching again? I, I Like coaches do that all the time. Yeah. One of our friends, intern Klein, his dad took a year off, missed it so much that despite some other stuff, health-wise was like, I'm going to – I got to hop back in. And – I think it's one of those things where you, you, it happens with really anything you do. It's if you love something and it gets kind of to the burnout stage and you and you put it on the back burner for a little bit and then you miss it, you come back almost a new person or a remotivated person. So that would be my initial thing is keep teaching, keep doing your thing and take a year off and you can still see the girls, you can still cheer them on, you can still attend a game. But the problem obviously is like if you're the varsity girls basketball coach and you go to your athletic director and say, Hey, I'm going to take a year off mind saving the job for whenever I'm ready to come back. And it's like, well, uh, no, <laughs> you know, right. So that's the that's issue. The dif- that's the issue. Uh, yeah, I guess it depends on the sport, although I'm kind of picturing basketball or Me volleyball, too. Yeah, you know, uh, here's the thing about being a mom, a working mom. Um, and mm-hmm. I just went back to work two days ago. So Welcome back. I am right in the thick of what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets easier though, because the problem is that it, it's so, so normal to 
have your priorities completely change when you become a mom or a parent in general. Like I think Will feels very similar to how I do. It's like you miss them. Maternity leave was awesome. I was off for three months, but I like kind of needed to get back into a routine. And then I was back at work for two days. Mm -hmm. And of course I was like missing being around my children, but I also was like missing being around adults who don't like poop and diapers. You know what I'm saying? Um, Charlie's really young right now and it's hard to, and I'm not even at the point yet. Like next week I will go back and be working until five or six every night. So, uh, I am going to miss a significant portion of my, you know, Mm -hmm. their daytime with them. Sure. Um, that that's two things. It's like one, it makes you really cherish the weekend. And like, I have Wednesday off. So that time with your kids, because you don't get it during the week, um, which I think is important, um, and not take it for granted by like being on your phone or letting them watch TV or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. even though that's also necessary for your mental health sometimes. Uh, but also, it as they get older, it gets a little easier. Because she said it's going to get harder. I feel like it's going to get easier. It's going to get easier. The reason it gets harder is because you have another baby. Uh, but when they, Fair, yeah. it feels it feels hard when they're babies and they're doing all these new activities. They're doing all these new skills, and you're missing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but again, that was like an interesting thing with Fritz. It was like, do we tell Sally? Cause she's been at work like that he walked today or mm. that he said his first word or whatever. And honestly, like my nanny was like, I'm just going to let you experience it by yourself for the first time. Like, interesting. Okay. and then when you see it and you say it, I'm going to be like, yeah, he did that two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of liked that. Like that works for me. Cause I like wanted to be there when he did stuff. Sure. And I knew he was getting close to certain things, you know, like crawling or walking or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was probably happening not around me. Uh, so that's one way to approach it. But yes, you're missing like milestones. But at the same time, like you are still their mother. Like you still get sweet moments with them on the weekends or at night or, you know, whenever it is. It, like, And what she's saying is like, yeah, you're going to get spring break off with them and you're going to get summer off with him, which is like a huge like – what a great time to like be able to bond with your kid. Like Absolutely. I would love to have the summer off yeah. to like chill with Fritz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do actually think it gets easier in that sense as they grow up because they, because they get older and it like everything feels less of a milestone. You know what I'm saying? Cause sure. when, when you have your first baby and, and they're a baby, like anything they do feels like the earth shattering. They're like, you're like, they smiled. And then, and then, like, they they sat up for the first time. And then they, you know, like, babbled. Every tiny little thing that, like, the second kid, <laughs> I'm like, oh, good job. <laughs> but I also, it's like, nice. it's, and like, a Charlie. weird guilt thing because I'm like, what if this is my last kid and I'm, like, not paying him enough attention? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Of, like, really, like, shitting myself over his accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, being a... Being a working parent is very hard. I think being a mom who's working is extremely difficult and like not to count out all the dads out there, uh, all the daddies, the poppies, because women have a very specific place in society and we have become the like, you know, go like de facto. Uh, Fucking awesome bringers of life and badass everything. you know, because of how society works, for the most part, mothers are taking on the brunt of child rearing and nurturing and home, you know, uh, care. And uh, we're we're going to take our briefcase and yeah, uh, commute to work and have a big office. It's really and and as a uh, because women tend to be more emotional and, uh, you know like more feeling than men, at least it's like more accepted that we are that way. It is like kind of a perfect storm of like mm-hmm. setting yourself up for failure when you go back to work. Uh, and, and, and along on top of work, which she's already a teacher and I, it's already extremely difficult, especially like literally this day and age right? after everything that's happened uh, to be a coach on top of that. I can't imagine just the daily, like you, you have to be. You're you're there 
for your husband, your child, and your, your team, other... and your classroom. Right. Like you are a leader 24-7 or like the person that people look up to 24-7. And I cannot imagine how exhausting that is yeah. in four different roles. Yeah. And so I, I get it. I get the burnout. I get the feeling of like, oh my God, if I could just take one of these off my plate. Right. How might I feel, or how how might I might how may I provide for the other parts of my life if I was able to to turn one of these down? And I get that. I totally get that. I also want to say, um, I I think that kind of pushing through at least for the end of the year. I mean, like assuming that she's basketball or volleyball, like that. Volleyball's not in season anymore. Basketball's mm -hmm. probably going to be done soon. Sure. Then you're just like having practice, et cetera. Like it might get easier when it's not in the fall. I was going to say, um, maybe do we – it's like you don't want to pigeonhole yourself into a sport, but do you try a fall sport or a spring sport to be a coach instead of the winter where it kind of bleeds into yeah, but every I, semester? I also was going to say, especially if you like care – it's normal for your priorities to shift when you become a mom. Sure. But also I think it's normal – for them to kind of shift back it's just like right now that your son is at the forefront of your mind but like that does get easier mm -hmm. other thing i was going to say is like for all the working parents out there especially the working moms you are instilling in your children something that is really like hard for them to understand at at a young age but later on in life will give them a very good solid foundation of like work is important setting goals is important being you know ambitious is important mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that stay-at-home moms can't do that as well like mm -hmm. but your children follow your lead and like what a great example to show your son of like i provided for you because i worked and i also like went the extra mile by coaching this team and like being a mentor for mm -hmm. just think about all the lessons that you can like teach your child by doing yeah. these things like that i would love i personally like am happy that i have work i would love to be like part-time if i could and yeah. i can't uh but i when i get down about like the amount i'm working i'm like i'm doing this to like give my boys the life that i want to give them sure. i'm doing this so that they see that like their mom is hard working i'm doing this so that you know like we can take vacation and I can spend time with them that way. On mm -hmm. the flip side, like if you're a stay-at-home parent, like know that your job is also incredibly important. And like, well, I think on the flip side, like when Will is at home with the boys in the morning when I'm at work, like I think that's a great time for them to see like, oh, look at how much my dad like cares about me. Like mm -hmm. he's totally. doing X, Y, Z. And like they're way too young to understand that. But I think – Number one, like actual real advice I can tell you besides just talking my face off about this right now, but like <laughs> maybe go to some other teachers or mm -hmm. coaches who are working moms and say like, how'd you do it? I'm kind of feeling really burnt out right now. Like other moms get it. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they, they understand. Um, so finding someone that can kind of be a mentor for you, that really helped with me at work was like one of my best friends has kids a couple of years older than mine. And like, she's been really helpful in like me transitioning back to work. Um, and like when I'm upset or the kids are sick or whatever it may be being like, here's how I handled that and having some other like support in that sure. sense. Can you talk to a, are, are there people that specialize in postpartum stuff, whether it's anxiety or depression, because she says she thinks she's good, but it, Kind of reading it, it's like a, there might be a little. Yeah, uh, hey, I'm, so I'm missing my child more, or like a separation anxiety, even. Yeah, that's kind of causing her at work and on the court or whatever sport. Yeah, to be a little like like she said, apathetic. Yeah, and is there people that are there people that kind of talk about that stuff and specialize in that kind of stuff? Right. And I think that could be an option as well. Yeah, and then my other time like advice was like, is there like an assistant coach who can kind of take over some of the like duties? That, I mean, obviously you have to be present at practice and things mm -hmm. like that. But if there's like, if, you, if it's like your running day and stuff like that, do you have an assistant coach who can just do that mm -hmm. so you can like go home and spend time with your kid? Yeah. So you, like, and, I, you can, I and then you can it. also be the good guy while your assistant coach yeah, is the like, bad guy. Yeah, like I understand we're not talking about pro sports here, but like, 
Do, is it, is it, and I'm actually asking this question because I am not a coach. Like, is it absolutely vital that you're present at all of these things? And it probably is. But if there are any tasks that like are mm -hmm. taking you away from your kid that you can pawn off on someone else, like do it. The assistant coach, like you can, the assistant coach can run a practice, can run conditioning, can run workouts. Um, like you got to be there for the games. And I think that makes sense. But yeah. if your assistant coach can do a lot, you're also empowering them. If they're, say, an up-and-coming coach right. or teacher or young and don't have the responsibilities that you do yeah. and can put more on their plate, and th that's an option. So I, I think there's a lot of different ways to sort of explore this. I would, you know, in my opinion, not that I'm a working mom or at remotely qualified to say this, but I, I do think you stick out this year and just get to summer sort of recharge and then make a decision before next season, I guess, yeah. whether you want to sit out a year or, or ask if that's even a, a possibility. Um, but but stick it out this season for for your girls. And, and, and talk to your partner about it. Talk to yeah. other moms about it. Talk to, like, at some point even, you know, you don't want your, like, student athletes to worry about you, but, like, saying, like, hey – Sorry if I like seem not, you know, my, my mind's at home right now. I'm really trying to be here for y'all too. Right. Like don't internalize it. Like Talk. let other people help you, you know, Absolutely. or let other people at least listen to you. There you go. Yeah. Next one, Sal? Yes. Hey team, while this question might sound light and fun, it nearly led to my husband leaving me and an all out family brawl over breakfast. Princey's joking. I don't know if you're joking or not. Sounds like we're not joking. Okay. If you were the only person, other person flying on an airplane and suddenly the captain had an emergency that rendered them unable to operate, would you be able to land the plane? Conditions. You would have full support from air traffic control, but don't have all day to talk to them and learn. They would need to talk to you talk you through it in real time in order to land safely. You do not need to land correctly. You just need to stay alive. This is hilarious. I'm sorry. I think this is so funny that they like had a full blown argument about it. I I'm gonna say, I think that this the person who wrote in probably said no, and the husband absolutely confidently said absolutely. That is a hundred thousand percent what happened because this would be me. Because this whole joke, I know, and like the aviation Brett heads out there are gonna be like. Brett thinks he can fucking fly anything and yada, yada. And I might have said I could land a uh, fighter jet on an aircraft carrier at some point confidently. Now, a commercial airliner, I will say that could I get on the ground safely? I'm going to say yes. Okay. I have enough confidence in my ability to interpret direction and and – enough experience with not not the game flight simulator but flight simulators period mm -hmm. that i've been in that i think i could get on the ground safely in a commercial airliner yes okay okay randy has a look on us because he knows he knows that he knows the people are gonna be like you absolutely could not you fucking loser you, you. uh-oh are we on Oh, producer Mike. There uh, it is. There it is. There uh -huh. it is. You can't even produce on the roadcast no, over there. You I, think you can land yeah. a plane? Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is like a common joke on the internet that like 90% of men think that they can they can do it. Uh, I am part of the 10% that knows, no, there's no <laughs> way that I could do it. Like, I, Would I trust anyone else on the plane? Probably not, but I am not confident that I would be able to do it. Well, so here's the thing. It sounds like you are the only option, okay? So I think taking out the... Like I'm, I, I'm the savior of the whole commercial air airplane. Mm -hmm. Uh, it says you're, you're the only other person. Flying. Yeah. Take out the pressure of having like 300 so people on board. You, so like that the doesn't whole exist. pressure is just yeah. you surviving. Correct. Yes. And the captain who is like passed out. Yes. There's, there's some type of neurotoxin that you are, you are immune, immune to, to and you're the only one that's awake right now. Yeah. yeah. Do I think it's doable? Yes. Am I confident I could do it? No. Uh, Here's the anesthesia gets gets uh, compared to flying a plane very often. Wait, wait, um, wait. anesthesia. Oh, okay. The profession the, the, of anesthesia. The profession of anesthesia. Like the act of giving anesthesia. someone anesthesia. Got it. Okay. Is is 
compared to flying a plane okay. because the, the most dangerous fly, parts of the flight or are takeoff take and, and landing. Yes. You're never just going to fall out of the sky. I say what the first time I ever heard that is rune flying takeoff and landing for every time because that's the only time I'm nervous on a flight. Right. Oh, well, because every, everybody knows the rules. It's it's the 90 seconds before or 90 seconds after takeoff and 90 seconds before landing that are like whatever the stat is. It's like 90 something percent of aircraft malfunctions right. are in that time period. When I put someone under Induction and an emergence. Induction means I'm putting you to sleep. Emergency means I'm waking you up. That's the equivalent of like taking off and landing. That's, right. That's yep. the most dangerous part of any anesthetic. Ooh, I got the chills. Because okay. because the rest of it, if something goes wrong, is the surgeon's fault. Probably. <laughs> Smirk. Even though they're going to blame anesthesia. Got it. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. Uh, could I talk you through... Uh, if I was doing anesthesia, could my partners who would not be in the room talk you through waking someone up? Mm, okay. Yes. Yeah. Technically, yes. Does that mean you should do it? No. Sure. But if sure, it's a sure, life sure. or death situation, could you do it? Sure. Mm -hmm. I think it totally depends on the person, though. I think you have to have a very good level of awareness and being calm under pressure. And if you don't have that type of daily uh it being calm under pressure is not like a personality trait it's a skill mm -hmm. it's it's something that you hone because being able to function in really high stress situations when somebody else's life is on the line and i'm not like saying that i can do this because of i'm an anesthetist but like that is something that i do all the time like i i have to perform when people's lives are on the line yeah. And I, I'm not like trying to like dramatize or like pat myself on the back. But if you are in medicine or like an ICU nurse or something like that, you are used to that. There are other professions, say maybe being a business development person at a podcast company. You could wow. say all of our lives are wow. in this hand. You could say that. I, I, how many times are you absolutely like feeling? Pre you know, like where, and yeah, yes, well, you have like work pressures, but I'm talking life or death that's, pressure. That it, I'm just, I'm saying like pressure of like lives off this. It's like, which I, I don't know if you can separate, but if you are like, can you land a plane in a vacuum? Like your worst case scenario. And this is why we have to do this on a simulator at some point. So everybody can like, it's either, okay. you like, Hey Brett, you get, you get your shot, shut people up or like you, cause you can't go up in an airplane unless you want right. to like land soft deck and do it like ten thousand feet and land like how you kind of practice yeah. but if if you're gonna do this in a simulator which i want to do at some point if anybody's in the commercial aviation training industry out there i want to do this um and and land a commercial airliner on, I, a, on a run i think i think there are people who could do it with no with no airline training at all yeah do I think most people can do it? Absolutely not. No, it's to, it's sort of like, do you know, do you understand physics? Do you understand instruction? And can you interpret? To me, your it's like you you really. It's not even that. The, like the, the the main argument for me is like you really don't have to know. You can teach anybody to do any job, sure, if they are focused enough and able to follow direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a, in an emergency situation, sure. okay. Yeah. Will they do it well? No. Will they do it correctly? Probably not. And uh, will it work? No. But I think I think the argument here is like what Randy's saying is like probably ninety percent of people are like, yeah, I could do that. Mm -hmm. You, it, the, it comes down to like it has nothing to do with knowing how to fly a plane. I mean, it does, but like we're just assuming everyone who's asked this question does not know how to fly a plane right. or anything about aviation. The confidence that I have in people is like, could you sit there? And like you have five minutes to save your life, can you calmly and efficiently follow mm -hmm. direction? Which I think is almost like a almost a different question. Because like if, if you're putting if you're putting my life on the line and saying like okay you land or you die right I'm no I'm part of the I'm, I no I can't I wouldn't be able to but but if it's like you land and if it goes wrong, you just respawn back like 20 miles away from the airport and you do it again. 
then I th- right. It's pressure. Pressure changes this totally. Right. But this is what I think is funny about that. Randy said probably 90% of men would say yes. Uh-huh. It's probably women who are more likely to be able to do it. Like no offense. Girl power. I'm just, no, I'm just saying as, as, as terms of genders go, women tend to be more detail oriented. Okay. We tend to be calmer. We tend to be more uh, in tune with our own emotions. And so therefore we also tend to be able to control our emotions a little bit better. I'm not saying this is totally generalized. I'm not saying this is that you as a man cannot. I'm just saying what's also funny is that women also tend to underestimate themselves. And so most women probably answer, no, I wouldn't be able to do that, but they probably could. And men are the opposite. They probably say that they can and they probably can't. But do do women have a very calming pilot voice that uh, we're going to be flying at 35,000 feet today and uh, breezy skies, uh, all time visibility and uh, we're going to be uh, pretty, be pretty, pilot, pretty so smooth ride right up there. Uh, if you have any questions, please direct your question to the uh, more than capable flight crew that uh, is headed up by Sally DeVries today. Thank you very much. Enjoy the flight and uh, see y'all in, in, in wherever we're going. As you can see in the overhead, we turned out the fastest seatbelts. We're about to get to hit some turbulence. It's going to be a little bumpy here, but uh, only last a couple minutes. No, so so please, uh, folks, it's uh, 84 degrees in Orlando, Florida, where we'll be headed, and uh, we'll be. Uh, well, sit back. We'll be there at about uh, two hours and forty-two minutes. Uh, wind is out of the south right now. Should be a clean ride all the way there. And uh, sit back, relax, enjoy the flight. The flight crew will resume beverage service. I will say though, being uh, someone that's <laughs> had, but like <laughs> going so to kind of just being in graphic design, all this stuff. Like me trying to explain something to one of our interns that has some type of knowledge being like as an Eric traffic controller is so much easier because they know at least some of the jargon stuff. But I felt like I had to explain something to Dylan, someone that has no clue about all this stuff. It's so much harder. So that's like a, yeah. like you don't know what knobs and what dials anything is. Well, that's you the other it, problem. Yeah, there's you have like to a, be, you, the, it's, it's also completely dependent on who's directing you. Oh yeah. And, Absolutely. and I have a friend who's an air traffic controller. I mean, like their jobs are so difficult, but like if they don't have patience with you, you're also screwed. Because they have to mm-hmm. be able to give it to you in layman's terms and also be patient enough to, like, talk you through a very stress- stressful situation. Yeah. I personally do not feel like I could do it. Part of me wants to say, yeah, I could. But, like, I, I know deep down I couldn't. You know? I I need to find a way to do this in a sim, which obviously takes the pressure out of it. And right. I, I, know, I know that. But I also think it's hilarious that, that this, like, became so incredibly like polarizing that like this person almost divorced her. She husband. was insulting his manhood is what it really was. I don't that's know. What, I think, what, I think what, it's just like I think men where where it comes to like you play you, you know all the games you played growing up, all like the physics stuff. I love the science. It's like that's kind of like a it's it's been sort of this masculine tradition like oh we can drive and fly and do things. Men, yeah, men. Men, men. And women God. are like, yeah, like that's great, but you don't know how to do it. Like you've done it on a PS5, but you can't. That doesn't mean you can do it. And so I, it, but but I think both sides have their points, and it's just one of those questions that's going to be forever in the. Uh, I think this in, question in this. is more telling of a person's personality. Like it, it, it says something about your confidence. Ooh, Randy, this would be a good hinge pr- uh, prompt. Because if if you automatically say yes without considering any of those things, you have enough confidence to like take you through life to be like, I can do whatever I want. There you go. And and then if you say no, you know yourself better and you're well adjusted. Oh, correct. There me. Goes. Okay. Yeah, I think I, honestly, that's true. I think that's what the question is about. It's like not even about the technical aspects or like, do you? Are you delusional? Or are you self aware? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, let's do let's do one more, Sally. Okay. I'm gonna uh, skip five. We'll go to six. Keep it quick. Here we go. Okay. Hey, mail and crew. This is more of a Saldal question. Sorry, Brett. Speaking of flights, this will be my uh, three-month-old on his first flight in January. I'm a very comfortable traveler, traveled two to four times a month before baby, but I'm extremely anxious about traveling with a baby. Would love some travel tips with a baby that are not obvious, i.e. what should I wear, what should baby wear, unexpected items to bring, etc. Would love tips on enjoying myself on this trip as it is a vacation. Okay. Uh, great time to travel. With the baby is three months slash any time before they're nine months because they're still potatoes. And Potato mode is much – makes it easier, yeah. right? Yeah. When they become aware enough to start crawling and walking, uh, it becomes awful. Mm-hmm. And then it's really terrible for like another year and a half till they figure out the joys of an iPad. 
uh, and like until distraction still. is your Correct. best friend. Like, I think I think unfortunately we don't have any trips planned, but like we're at a perfect age right now with Charlie and Fritz because Fritz will sit in front of a TV for hours and just like zone out, zone out. Yeah. And Charlie doesn't do anything besides like eat and sleep and smile at me. Right. So number one, anytime you're flying with kids, uh, it's twofold. I think most people who are considered human beings are going to be anxious about flying with a child because they don't want to ruin someone else's experience, mm -hmm. which is very kind of you. Uh, I am a lot more empathetic towards parents now that I am a parent myself than I was before I was a parent. Air travel sucks in general. Uh, do I think you should feel bad for bringing your kid and the fact that they're crying because their ears are popping? No. Do I no. think that you should let your kid throw goldfish at people while they're, you know, like walking down the aisle? Absolutely not. Okay. So there's a line. So there's a line. Yes. You just need to there be considerate. There has to be a line. There has to be a line because- And kids are hard to control. I mean, like especially toddlers because they want to like play and move around and you are really just trying to like get from one place to the other. Like it's- no child – I feel the same way about restaurants. Like no kid developmentally who's a toddler uh, like can sit still in a restaurant without an iPad in front of them. Like right. when people shit on people who have let their kids have screen time at restaurants, I I want to be like – I. first of all, you don't know what their struggle is. But second of mm -hmm. all, developmentally, children are not able to sit there and do nothing. And right. to expect that of a child is means you have – either don't know anything about kids or you have bad expectations. Yep. So first of all, give yourself some grace. A three month old is going to travel great. And, and I'm speaking to people who are going to travel with toddlers. Like that's okay too. Just try to make sure that like your kid's assholishness is dim to the, like a uh, most amount you can be yeah. gracious to the flight attendants and people around you goes a long way too. Mm -hmm. acting entitled about shit and like asking for extra stuff. And not being thankful mm -hmm. or uh, like thanking people for their help makes you come off like a dick in general. But especially when you have kids, like if your kid throws something or spills something, like do your best to clean it up. Don't let other people clean it. Like that is just normal person behavior anytime, not on the flight. I think what happened to me recently sort of crystallized my opinion on this. Okay. On a flight, the like a, a row over and up is mom on the aisle seat dad is on the opposite aisle seat and toddler is in the seat next to mom they have to themselves wrote okay. themselves toddler is a menace i mean just like night flight has a flashlight in her hand standing up on the seat waving it around the plane yeah yeah and mom is doing mom could toddler's not even doesn't even exist yeah and is kind of banking on like the the group empathy for like, oh, it's it's a baby on a flight. Yeah. We're fine. I think where where my line is drawn is obviously like it's it's budding other people, it's throwing goldfish, it's 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 not crying. Like that's I get those things. But if if mom and dad are not doing anything to try to comfort or right. try to like control settle the behavior. down and control, just even if it's like pulling them down every three minutes because they're going to go back up again, but just just some sort just of- Just look like you're trying. Look like you're trying. Same then thing. I, then I'm all in. I'm like, hey, I know you don't, this is hard. It, you got a toddler, you got this and that going on. But if you're just, if you're there reading on your iPhone yeah. and kid is going nuts, I, I'm like, are you, what are we doing? What? I used to I, feel I, the I go, same oh, way. I'm like, my generation is, what are we doing? When we would take Rosie to the dog park and mm -hmm. like dogs were being assholes and like their their owner was just like staring yeah. at Instagram and like, pay attention to your shit. Like yeah. that's just being a considerate human being. So yeah. like, I totally agree. Your kid can be an asshole. I mean, they shouldn't be, but like you are given a pass or people will be empathized with you more if you are acting like you are attempting to decrease the level of like disruption they're causing. Yes. So unfortunately for you as a parent, traveling with kids means that you are on like full blown duty of just like minimizing their disruption to other people. Right. That's, that's your job. I, I And I think that should be like tacitly understood. Right. It's not just like, Oh, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on vacation. Like, Everybody like oh I have a kid why well, like everybody yeah. knows having a kid's hard so I'm just gonna go right. off in my own world I so yeah understand that people 
get it. And but I I really internalized when Fritz when we uh, flew with Fritz when he was three months. I was mm-hmm. freaking out. He was crying. I was like because when we were taking off and landing, and I was freaking out. And I was like, people are judging me. Blah blah. Like really, the crying thing is like it is what it is. It is what it is. And you hold them, and you can like I like I like when people like walk up and down the aisle with their yeah. kid because I'm like you're you're trying you're doing yeah. something there I appreciate this. Uh, practical tips for a three month old if they're still breastfeeding or if they're bottle feeding whatever it is give them a bottle during takeoff and during landing because that mm. helps them suck and it helps pop their oh, ears. Oh, pop the yeah okay yeah so uh, really up until a year old even when Fritz was older than that we would like offer him like water or something to drink mm-hmm. um so doing that at takeoff and landing really helps i tended to notice and this might just be fritz specific takeoff like the problem was you're sitting on the tarmac and you're like i'm just, they seem fussy i'm going to breastfeed them now but then you miss the window and you feed them too early and then you take off and then their ears pop so try oh, yeah. to wait until you're like taxiing literally about to take off cuz the mm-hmm. problem the time when their ears are popping is when you're ascending gotcha uh, but then the flip side, for some reason, Fritz's ears would always pop before mine would. So like he would be mm. really, really fussy. And then five minutes later, my ears would pop and I'd be like, that's uh, what was going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if they start getting fussy while they have like just announced the descent, that's probably what's happening. And that's a great time to like give a bottle or breastfeed or whatever you need to do. Uh, we were not big baby wearing people. Baby wearing Brett is like when they have the little kangaroo pouch on your chest, oh, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now there's like bougie ones that yeah. don't, don't have straps it's like uh it's like oh this is like a knitted or like a it looks like an ace bandage oh yeah like a yeah, like i know a cool what you're talking one. about okay uh <laughs> we i did not baby wear with fritz and i wish i would have uh okay. that's a great way to do it because you have free hands mm-hmm. so you get to the baby to the airport you go through security strap them on your chest and then you're able to like go get coffee carry your luggage etc because you have extra hands yep um, if you do not own a Duna, you should have a Duna. Everyone should have one. They're the best thing ever. It okay. is a car seat stroller convertible situation. We sure. traveled with it all the time. I would keep Fritz in it. And then when we would get to the gate, I would gate check it. Pro tip, if you are flying, especially on Southwest, which doesn't have assigned seats, but, um, if there are extra seats, you are allowed to bring your baby, uh, you're allowed to bring your car seat on the plane. Mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, at, they like legally can they, like have to let you if there's extra seats uh, and they just have to be in the window. I did that when they were younger. Mm-hmm. Um, it do, It's a pretty big seat constraint, at least for a Duna. Some of the car seats are smaller, but ask. Uh, it's a little harder when you have assigned seating because you might at the time, if there's like a middle seat next to you, great ask um, sure. if it's not booked. But otherwise, you might – they have to finagle you around. It's a lot easier on like Southwest just because there's not assigned seating. Mm-hmm. But always ask. Um, baby items. Pack way more than you think you need to. It, if people judge you and you show up and your mother-in-law says, I can't bring, believe you brought all this shit. I was going to say. just going to say. F you. I don't care. It looks like a nightmare – from an onlooker's perspective, to see the 37 different bags. Well, okay, and just like, here's what I'm going to say. If you're traveling somewhere, ship as much stuff as you can beforehand mm-hmm. so that you don't have to travel with it. So sure. like, especially if you're going like to parents' house or something, or even like a hotel, send diapers beforehand. Send, uh, you know, like if they do formula, like send stuff. There's also a really great company called Baby Quip, which is a place where you can rent stuff. So instead of having to bring like a pack and play or a car seat or whatever, if you don't want to have to deal with that, you can usually rent it when you get to a destination, depending cool. on like if you're like going to a big city, if you're going to a small town, it's not going to work. Um, we should start a company that's like that just called Stork and it brings baby stuff to destination places. I think like that's... Yeah, probably already exists, but sure. What, Randy? It's a great idea. Circling back had that same idea, but it was shipping your kids. <laughs> it was it's like sticks, a, but it, it was spelled with a Q and it was all lowercase. It was stork. Stork. <laughs> uh, so it's send or like the, the thing is, unless you're like straight up going to like a really remote location, most places have like a target. Like mm-hmm. don't feel like you need to pack every single item that like they need. Like you can always go get stuff I think or that's Amazon a, exists. I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Uh, but the things that you practically really need for a three month old or a baby baby is like milk that you're going to give them, whether they're on formula, breast milk, et cetera. I would bring a cooler and I would breastfeed, but I also had extra breast milk just in case. You have to be careful at TSA with that though, right? They 
are supposed to allow you to bring breast milk. Also, there are a lot of rules. If you are a breastfeeding mom, uh, or you are bringing on formula, look up online what you're allowed to bring. You are allowed to bring a pump bag that is totally separate from your luggage. So when we went to Blackberry and I was pumping, I had my carry on my personal item and a cooler. And they're not allowed to tell you shit. Because you are providing, yeah, you're providing a human life. But if they have a question, you can be like, "Here's what the TSA policy is." Um, Also, if things are frozen, so I would freeze like yogurt and stuff like that. Obviously, three month old is too young. Gets through TSA a lot easier when Mm -hmm. you have like liquid milk. They still check it, but they don't like they can't test it. They just like put it through this thing. Some people get weird about that. I don't really care as long as they were like sanitary about it. Um, you're etching my baby's milk. Yeah. He's going to be radioactive. Yeah. Um, (laughs) health and wellness. (laughs) Always pack. This was like a tip for my friend. Of course you're packing extra outfits for the babies. I liked the zippy onesies so that you could like that come from the top and the bottom. So you could change their diaper easily Mm -hmm. if you needed to, but pack yourself an extra outfit because if they throw up on you or you get milk everywhere or whatever, have an extra shirt and pants or dress or whatever it may be. Yeah. In the diaper bag. But a three-month-old is like, you're, you're going to be able mode. to enjoy it. Yeah. Like, when the, your kids get older, you're not taking vacations. You're just relocating to a different place for a week. Yeah. That's what some of my friends have said. Like, I like, like that, when yeah. you have toddlers, you're not you're not on vacation. No, you're you're You you're are relocating new... your life to somewhere else yeah. for the memories of your children. But you are working just as hard. Yeah. So good luck. Everything's going to be fine. I... You know, plan it out, have the things you need, but you don't like, don't freak out if you, you know, if your baby's crying, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you like uh, the plain white noise is loud enough to probably even cover that up at three months. Yeah. Enjoy yourself because when they're toddlers, you're going to be back just working. Fritz is grounded, like literally grounded the plane. He's not allowed to travel for like another six months (laughs) because he is not good. Not good. Well. Have fun. Enjoy yourself. Sally, that was a great episode. Um, Randy, great episode. Please subscribe, rate five stars, review, and tell a friend about the show. Hit the hotline, 888-362-MAIL. That's 888-362-6245. Or again, you can write in at the link in the Twitter bio at Podcast. Sally, where can the folks find you? They can find me on Sally DeFreeze on Instagram and Twitter. I am Brett Merriman, at Schmerriman on those platforms, and we'll see y'all next week. Bye.